Listener Production. In this episode of The Briefing, part two of Jan Fran's interview with comedian Hannah Gadsby. And in this part, Hannah talks about her dispute with Dave Chappelle. You notice the patterns of things. The world moves on very quickly. You can choose to put more oxygen into these things or not. Most people have forgotten about it. She also talks about the way artists have always painted women with wedgies. It takes incredible skill to layer the oils in that way to create this flesh that, you know, has the depth of the human body and then put over that this sheen of, like, sheer cloth and then go, you know what I'm going to do with this skill? I'm just going to slip it up their ass crack. It just blows my mind. Yeah, the final part of our conversation with Hannah Gadsby and Jan Fran, that is in the second half of this briefing. First, Antoinette Latouf joins me for the headlines. It is Wednesday, April 13. G'day, Tom, and happy hump day. So Prime Minister Scott Morrison was confronted by an activist at an event in Western Sydney last night. 20-year-old Addison Wright can be seen asking Morrison for a photograph before shouting at the Prime Minister. I just want to ask uh, one question, Sky Mose. Look, um, across, across the river, I hope you don't mind, I'm just What's going on there? No, why is it reporting? Sky across, across the river here, across the Lepan River, people lost hey. their houses, hey. people lost their houses, hey. and they were burnt. You are a disgrace! Wow, so what you heard there was the Prime Minister realising he was being filmed and asking Wright to stop. He clearly hadn't made his intentions clear. Police then issued Wright with a move-on direction and he was escorted out of the venue in Penrith. And Wright's TikTok bio says, vote one ALP and is listed online as a young Labor left supporter. He also describes himself as a social activist. So there's been a few intense moments for the PM already in this campaign. Um, Last week he was in Newcastle at the Edgeworth Tavern and that pensioner gave him a bit of a talking to, which was you know, involved a little bit more decorum than this bloke last Mm. night. But there was also that woman who was posing with him in a video, what seemed like a friendly encounter, and then called him the worst PM ever. So, yeah, pretty rough trot out there on the hustings. Yeah, well, those gotcha moments aren't just coming from press conferences. Anyone Mm. with a mobile phone can pull a stunt. Everyone seems to want to go viral. Yeah, and also yesterday, Anthony Albanese, the opposition leader, was out there um, Forced many times to reflect on his screw-up on Monday where he couldn't cite the cash rate or the national unemployment rate. From time to time, if ever I make a mistake, I'll own it and I'll accept responsibility. Here's a Taylor Swift comment for you. My theory is, shake it off. So that's Albanese quoting Taylor Swift there. Thankfully, he didn't attempt the dance moves. (laughs) I just think... As well as having a pack of journos following and watching their every moves, you know, in the social media world, they've got to watch out for any punter and what they may or may not do and who will be filming. Yeah, so much potential for chaos. Um, The minders really have their jobs cut out for them these days. Meanwhile, the former LNP MP, George Christensen, has decided not to retire and will instead contest his marginal Queensland seat representing Pauline Hanson's One Nation Party. Yeah, the polling says he could be still a a big force in Dawson, which is around the city of Mackay. He told the Courier-Mail last week he resigned from the LNP because the coalition had betrayed its conservative roots. Last year, he said he wouldn't contest because he wanted to spend more time with his family, and here he is running for One Nation. 
does seem like his values align more with them than the LNP. Yeah, so let's not forget a few months ago, Scott Morrison slammed the rogue anti-vaxxer MP because he was urging parents not to get their children vaccinated against COVID. So where he says the coalition has deserted its conservative roots, I wonder, does that actually equal or mean that there's a splinter due to the COVID vaccines? At the time, he also compared it to apartheid. It seemed that over the pandemic and the vaccines was when he really wasn't aligned with the coalition. Yeah, I think he's been unaligned in many ways and I don't think it's a big split. I think he's a real outlier, this guy, Mm. Um, and the proof's in the pudding now that he's running with One Nation. At least 16 people have been injured in a peak hour shooting incident at a subway station in the New York borough of Brooklyn. Yes, I was around 8.30 in the morning, peak hour at the subway station, chilling audio there of people running from trains. Um, That's from social media. Local police are saying at least 10 people were shot and others suffered injuries from smoke bombs. Five are critical, but all are expected to survive. And police say several undetonated devices were recovered. Some of those devices may have been used as a sort of a, a smoke screen, as a way to distract from the shooting. That's Fox 5's Robert Moses at the scene. So police are still hunting for the suspect and they're also searching for a motive. There was actually a local school directly across the street that was locked down, which is just, gosh, absolutely terrifying. And these shootings actually come as New York City has faced a spate of shootings and a lot of them are being carried out on subways. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been fined for attending his own birthday party during lockdown in June 2020, making him the UK's first serving Prime Minister to be sanctioned for breaking the law. I accept in all sincerity that people had the right to expect better. And now I feel an even greater sense of obligation to deliver on the priorities of the British people. Yeah, that's a pretty long hangover. So Johnson announced overnight that he'd received and paid the fine, but he won't be resigning. So far, more than 50 fines have been handed out over government gatherings. Most have been fined £50, so about 87 Aussie dollars. We don't know how much Johnson was fined, possibly um, the same fairly minuscule amount. The Metropolitan Police are looking into 12 alleged law-breaking gatherings in government offices during COVID lockdowns. Russian President Vladimir Putin made a rare public appearance alongside the leader of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, overnight. Yeah, so Putin said peace talks with Ukraine had meant a dead end, that Ukraine had made fake claims about war crimes and also described Russia's military goals in Ukraine as noble. So he's found an ally in Lukashenko who said allegations of atrocities in northern Ukraine were, to quote, a psychological operation carried out by the English And satellite images are showing a build-up of Russian troops and equipment in the east of Ukraine in the Donbass region, fueling concerns of a fresh offensive there. All right, we'll catch you later. Jan Fran's back with the second part of her conversation with Hannah Gadsby. Hi there, it's Jan Fran. And if you listened to the briefing yesterday, you will have heard the first half of my chat with... Hannah Gatsby. Well, today we're going to bring you part two. Hannah, of course, is a comedian. She's one of Australia's most successful exports. And now she can add best selling author to her list with her latest book, 10 Steps to Nanette. She's also a really 
great person to muse on life with. So without further ado, part two of my chat with Hannah. How do you handle the criticism when it comes your way? Because I imagine that the bigger you get, the more it just comes in droves. I know recently you were dragged into the Dave Chappelle Netflix situation. Just a bit of background for anyone who doesn't know, there were some comments made in Dave Chappelle's stand-up comedy. Netflix defended it. They brought your name up out of the blue. I'm sure you're probably just minding your own business. You felt compelled to respond. When you wake up in the morning and suddenly your name is trending and you're all over the place in a situation like this, How do you decide what to do? I put my own post out there on social media. I thought about it. I had conversations with people on how best to respond. I had the opportunity not to respond. I chose to say what I did, calling out um, old mate Ted Sarandis. Yes, and I think the term you used, which is ingrained in my brain because I thought it was brilliant personally, was f*** you and your amoral algorithm cult. Yeah, and once we sort it out, you know, the, apparently there's a lot of people who don't know the difference between amoral and immoral. So once we sorted that out, things were a little less fraught. I don't have to check social media. I I, I knew that this was going to start a little bit of a fire. I didn't realise it was going to be quite so uh, fiery, but I just clocked off. I was in Tasmania at the time and, like, Tasmania had one little stint of, Uh, lockdown and I got caught up in that. So I just switched the phone off and reveled in that old time isolation I grew up in. It's got its good side, doesn't it? It's like you want to escape international controversy? Come to Tassie. But, uh, you know, you notice the patterns of things. The world moves on very quickly. You can choose to put more oxygen into these things or not. Most people have forgotten about it. Do you sort of worry that you're going to get dragged into things in the future? Or do you just not think about that? Does that aspect of being public not really play in your mind too much? I wasn't necessarily dragged into that. I chose to put my two cents in. Mm. My work isn't as controversial as a lot of people want it to be. I push, you know, some buttons with Nanette and Douglas, but that's not, you know, I don't chase the edge of comedy. So I don't feel like I'll forever be associated with controversy. Mm. It's an interesting space for me, to be honest, but there's a war on, you know. I just feel like feel like I'm fine. <laughs> no, I shouldn't laugh, but, like, in the context of there's a war on, lots of things seem fine. Yeah, the world's on the struggle bus for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with comedy. Comedians could really just take a big spoonful of calm down. <laughs> That's probably not bad advice. (laughs) The other thing that you're really into, and this is like, I thought Douglas was just one of the funniest shows that I'd seen, period. And it just stuck in my head the way that you talk about famous painters painting women in threes and the choice for them to paint these very delicate wedgies in the silk that these women are wearing. And every time I've seen a painting where there's been women in groups of threes, you are the first person that I think about. But they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I mean, I went through the Louvre with you in the back of my head. You ruined that experience for me, Hannah. I bet I did. (laughs) (laughs) They are everywhere. Being able to paint sheer fabric or the veil, you know, the see-through things, takes incredible skill to layer the oils in that way to create this flesh 
that, you know, has the depth of the human body and then put over that this sheen of like sheer cloth and then go, you know what I'm going to do with this skill? I'm just going to slip it up their ass crack. It just <laughs> blows my mind. I'm like, that decision. For anybody listening, I know this is a sort of a visual conversation. Trust me, you are going to see a painting very, very soon where it's going to be three women frolicking in the outdoors and one of them is going to have a silk wedgie. I just want to say Hannah was the first person that pointed that out to me. Happy to help. I got from reading the book that there's a real sense of confidence in who you are and and the work that you do and it's been a long time coming for you. Am I I correct in, in that reading? Yeah. When I first started doing comedy, I was as green as they come, both in life and in in terms of what I understood comedy to be. I think, you know, if I understood what comedy was when I started, I'd probably go, no, this is not for me. Well, why do you say that? Well, it's a really intense and difficult thing to do. But I inched my way into it. And, you know, the There is a great supportive community in Australia. It is a very accessible art form. Most art industries are not open to people who are financially insecure and don't have support networks that can pay long-term internships. You know, comedy, you can have access to the stage fairly quickly and you have a chance at earning something of a wage very early on in your career. You know, through the course of my career, as I every year I built a new show and performed it and toured it and learned more. And, you know, I got more skills and more tools in my toolkit. You know, that brings with it confidence. And the reason I wrote Nanette was because that confidence I was I had in my craft and what I was doing was not actually translating into confidence in me as a person. In fact, it was mm. it was it was a bell curve. Like I think three or four years earlier for Nanette, I felt like was the height of my confidence both on and off stage. And then on stage, I kept getting better, and off stage, I began to get worse. You know, I began to feel like a disconnect uh, between who I was on stage and who I was off stage. And part of what I believe was happening there was the form that comedy is, is not necessarily one of maturing. Can you stagnate? Like, what, what, what do you mean yeah, by that? you know, like if, you're, if you've built up your stage persona as someone right. who's always making mistakes or always a certain person or always this, you can paint yourself into a corner. If you start your career as an angry comedian but then, like, you find happiness but you're still angry on stage, what's happening? What's happening to you? Particularly if you're getting known and you have an audience who knows you as a particular person, it can be very difficult to break out of that persona that you've built for yourself. Mm. You know, sometimes people don't want to do that, but I I really wanted to. I really wanted to because, you know, I'm very open and honest in my work. So really Nanette was my way of sort of like, this is wrong. This is not yeah. right. You've got another show, Body of Work, um, coming out. Uh, are we going to see any more <laughs> paintings of three women in wedges? What can we expect? No, this is a, this is a storytelling show. I've taken it upon myself to create a feel-good show, which is one of the most difficult shows to do. People (laughs) love misery. They like laughing at misery. I wanted to put something on stage that reflected the transformation that I've gone through since Nanette. You know, I am a lot more confident in who I am and a lot more stable in my life and in my mind, a lot more steady, and I wanted to write a show that reflected that. 
Well, um, we look forward to watching it. Look forward to anybody that hasn't read the book. Do it. Ten Steps to Nanette. It's a New York Times bestseller uh, <laughs> by Borla, a comedian, Hannah Gatsby. <laughs> Good eye. Thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. It's been a real treat. No problem, Jane. Thank you. That was Hannah Gatsby, Aussie comedian, best-selling author, lover of tea and dogs. And her new book is Ten Steps to Nanette. If you want a lovely, funny, heartwarming read, I suggest you pick it up now or download it onto your Kindle. It's worth it. Listener.